0: If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness that you are the king of glory and that you are here with us this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, how you show us how we should live as your children. I pray that you would um, help us to receive from your word today, Lord, that we would be open to your Holy Spirit, tugging at our hearts, speaking to our mind, uh, that you would use Marv this morning to deliver what you would have us know and understand today. Give him the words, give him the courage, give him um, the patience. And I pray that we would all be encouraged by you today and, and challenged to be more like you, Jesus, each and every day. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray, amen. All right, so, Thank you, Sabrina, for reading that for us. We are looking at, like she said, Luke seven, thirty-six, uh, two, to eight, three. And the title of the message today is the forgiveness of God. The forgiveness of God, and the forgiveness of God does this. It does some things to people. It's today's takeaway. Let's get that up for everybody quickly. There it is. The forgiveness of God transforms the people of God. The forgiveness of God transforms the people of God. Let me get that next slide. It does some things to us. The forgiveness of God gives us new desires, new love. It gives us new habits. It gives us a new focus. And and here's how one Spanish theologian said it. Those whom God has encountered through Christ in the spirit cannot continue in complacency or indifference. Living as if nothing radical had altered the total human situation, but instead are compelled into mission, into a way of living and being, and acting in the world. It does something to us, and we're gonna encounter some women in this text and all of them demonstrate this reality. They've experienced the forgiveness of God, and they demonstrate how that forgiveness transforms them by the things that they do. And here's the thing about these women. They, they're gonna set good examples for us. They're gonna, they're gonna actually challenge us. When you look deeply at the text, at the way they behave, the things that they do, their example is solid, and they challenge us to examine ourselves. So look again at verse 36, it says, then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. This invitation is given to Jesus. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now it says he's reclining there, because in that culture, the way you ate was you, you sort of leaned back and reclined as you ate. You sort of laid on your, your side, that was the way. And a woman of the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, so Jesus is there enjoying dinner, right? And and this lady finds out that he's there, and so she she goes, it says she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him, weeping and began washing his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with perfume. Now you're maybe wondering, like how he invited Jesus over to his house seems like a private thing and she just sort of rolls up and just goes in. Well in that culture, meals like this is kind of a banquet. It was a celebratory meal. And so what, what, the, what it looked like was the door of the house was just wide open. So you could just, people could just walk in and out and they could just listen in on the conversation. So it's a different culture than ours. And so this lady comes and she just enters in. She, she found out Jesus is there. But notice, she's there but she's not just standing around. It says she is weeping over Jesus. It says that she is kissing his feet. She anoints Jesus. She's full of love for him. And what you see with this woman is courage and humility. It's not easy for her to just walk in here given sort of what Luke describes as her reputation. So it takes courage and then you see her humility in her actions. She is humble. But look at the Pharisee. Watch your boy here. Verse 39. When the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She is a sinner, he says to himself. He's thinking this. So he doubts Jesus. Notice that. It's like if Jesus was a prophet, he'd know this. He can't be this true and ultimate prophet that we've been waiting for. He can't be that and then he judges the woman. You see that? He judges her. See, he's so focused on her past, her sinful past, he cannot see her repentant present. He's blind. This is a brother who is, he's like he's wearing glasses that just keeps fogging up. Right, I don't wear glasses, but sometimes I talk to people who wear glasses and their glasses fogs up and I just can't help but just kind of stare at it. He just, he can't see, he is blind. What's he blind by? He's blind by self-righteousness. He's blinded by his pride. And so he can't see Jesus clearly, he can't see this woman clearly, and he cannot see himself clearly. He's got all kinds of problems. Struggling. See, he displays the attitude God wants us to reject. See, people who have experienced God's forgiveness, embrace a humble attitude. We have a humble attitude. We don't look down on people. There's humility in us. We don't look down on people. You know what we do? We look up to God and we say, praise God for his mercy and forgiveness that he has shown me that without God, I am no different than that person. We humbly look down. It's okay, Yo. lift your voice. Amen. I like when you guys talk. Don't be afraid. We look, we look up and we give God thanks. So he doubts that Jesus is a true prophet, but Jesus proves him wrong. Jesus proves him wrong by displaying his omniscience. Jesus knows everything at all times about all people everywhere. You're like, where do you get that idea? Verse 40. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Jesus knows what he is thinking. He doesn't say this out loud, it's, it's, he's thinking it. Jesus knows. He said to him, say it, teacher. He said, a creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. That, that phrase there, he graciously forgave them, The literal translation should be, he graced them. He laid grace on them. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who forgave, he forgave more. You said, you have judged correctly. He told him, turning to the woman. he He said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You did not anoint my head with olive oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. Simon is actually failing miserably at hospitality. This brother is doing a terrible job. Right, this is not a party you'd really want to go to with this kind of treatment. And what you have here is he's got Jesus at the crib, but he's showing him no love. No love whatsoever. And it's because he cannot see how much he needs Jesus. I tell you, this guy is, he is blind. And so Jesus, what Jesus is doing here is he's telling him a parable to try to show him his need. That's what the parable's for. He's like, I'm trying to show you. So here's the thing. When you read this parable, you're tempted to pay attention to how much is owed. That's what most people go to. But that's not the key in the parable. The key in the parable is that both people cannot pay. They both, have, they both have a debt they cannot pay. And so what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to say, Simon, look at this woman. You are just like her. You are in the same spot. You may not have sinned like her, but you have sinned. And you have a debt that you cannot pay. You're in the same place as she, she is. He cannot see it, but she can see it. He cannot see it, but she can. that's why she can sing this. Oh, Jesus paid it, you say it. Jesus paid it all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And here's the love. Oh, praise the one who paid my what? Who paid my, who paid my, and raise this life up from the dead. She can sing that, you can sing that, because of the work of Jesus Christ in your life. She loves Jesus for this. Look at what he says in verse 47. Therefore, so in light of all that I've told you, look backwards, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's, here it is, that's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little, little loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Your sins, Jesus looks at this woman and says, are forgiven. People who've experienced God's forgiveness have much love for the Savior. Much love for the Savior. This verb, forgiven, is important. In verse 48. I'm trying to take you deeper here, so pay attention. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now, if you're reading this in the Greek, this verb, forgiven, is in the perfect tense. And what that means is, it's emphasizing that this woman is in a state of forgiveness. She is sitting in forgiveness. That's why the New English Bible actually translates this better. It says, her great love proves that her many sins have been forgiven. What's Luke trying to tell you? Her status has changed. She is no longer an unforgiven sinner. She is a forgiven saint. And that is your reality if you're in Christ. No, you are, you're changed no longer an unforgiven sinner. You are a forgiven saint. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I don't know if you know it, but I'm forgiven. Come on, lift it up. I don't know if you know it. I'm forgiven. Say it, I want to hear you. I'm forgiven. See, what I'm trying to get you to, to embrace here is that your primary identity as a believer in Christ is not a sinner. Here's what you'll never see in the New Testament. A letter that is, is written to the sinners. It's never stated that way. You know what every New Testament letter says? To the saints. Why, because the Bible's trying to say, this is who you are, Marv, be who you are. This is who you are, Kabinda, be who you are. This is your reality, live in your reality. You are a saint, so behave that way. That is what the scriptures teach us, we are saints who are being sanctified, being changed by God, and our love for Jesus Christ is expressed in obedience. John 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Trillia Newbell, she says this, it's really helpful just to make sure we understand how the love works. She helps us here. And if you want to pick up this book, his testimonies, My Heritage, I read it this summer, solid. It will bless you. So we do not obey because because it earns us favor. The favor is already ours, already loved. And it has been bought with a price. Instead, we obey because we love Jesus, and watch this, and are compelled by his love. We love because he first loved us. We are not trying, we're not obeying God because we're hoping that God will love us. We obey God because he already loves us. That's the reality that we are in, compelled by his love towards obedience. And the Christian who walks in Obedience represents God well in the culture. The Christian who walks in obedience helps the local church stay healthy. The Christian who walks in obedience, the Christian who walks in obedience based on the love of Jesus Christ, they grow spiritually and they mature socially. There's benefits to walking in obedience. Now you're like, RMR, you've been yelling at us for a while and trying to compel us, and you're like, hold up, hold up, hold up. What if, what if I'm not feeling the love right now? What if my love for Jesus is, is not all that deep? What if I've lost that first love kind of feel? What if, the, what if the vibe is gone? I'm just not in that spot. Well, my word to you is just remember what you've been saved from. Just remember what Jesus has done, what He has is, he is, he is brought into your reality, that Jesus has saved you from the power of sin. That sin has no power over us, that it, 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 we are not. We don't have to follow the, the, the drawing of our temptation, that the, the Holy Spirit resides in us and gives us the power to resist the flesh. Remember that you've been saved from the rule of Satan. You're no longer a child of the devil. You're a child of God. And remember that Jesus has saved us from the wrath of God. That glory is what is coming. Verse 49 says, those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who forgives sins? See, they asked this question because they know only God can do this. God is the only one who can forgive sin. And so what's going on here is Jesus can forgive our sin because he's God. And what you're running into right here in this verse is one of the major themes of the Gospel of Luke. Luke over and over throughout the Gospel is trying to say Jesus is God, Jesus is God. Your faith is in the right person like we talked about last week. And that's why he can say what he says next. Verse 50, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. People who've experienced God's forgiveness can go forward in peace. Isaiah 52 says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace. Remember I told you, Luke alludes to Isaiah a lot. He says, who brings news of good things? Who proclaims salvation? Who says to Zion, your God reigns? You want to know why she kisses his feet? Because he brings her good news. This is the herald she's been waiting on. He tells her good things. He says to her, you can go forward because you have peace with God. You're a child of God. You're in the family of God. It's all good now. Go forward and resist sin. He says, you have peace, but notice it's not just because she came. It's because of her faith. He says, your faith has saved you. It's her faith that he commends it's your faith in christ that gives you peace with god so we can go forward in peace but here's what i know going forward in peace is not easy right one reggae artist says memories don't live like people do they always remember you whether things are good or bad it's just the memories that you have you can look it up Sometimes our memory just comes back, it's a song. It's a smell, it's a place, it's a person. That just brings the memory back of the old life, of the old habits. And when, that, when your memory starts to play on you and remember the things that you were, you were doing, it just comes back on you, what happens? You start to feel a little bit of shame. You start to feel a little bit of guilt. And when that happens in your life, when you look at those old habits, the things that you used to do, and you're feeling that way, you know what I want you to do? I want you to remember Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Remember, standing in grace, don't forget your reality. God isn't looking at your past, he is looking at your future. And he is saying, go forward in peace, my child, and make me proud. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we think God is up there and he's just hoping that we mess up. It's, that's not the reality. What parent is at their child's game saying, I hope you missed the shot? That's not how God works. He says, go forward and make me proud. And he looks at you with fatherly affection because when God looks at you, he sees you and me standing under the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees his son. Yes. And so there's love for us so we don't look back we go forward in victory under the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ and live the life that he has called us to live. Now before I move on, I want to say to the non-Christian, because there's a word here for the non-Christian. This, the text speaks to the non-Christian. It says you may look at your past. Maybe right now you're looking at your present and the things that you're doing the things that you've done you feel this guilt and this shame i want to tell you there's somebody who can take all that his name is jesus christ and what you do is what this woman does you you come to him in faith faith for forgiveness. And what Jesus will do the moment you come to him is he'll take all the guilt and shame upon himself. He says, I covered that for you on the cross and he will give you his righteousness and peace. But it requires that you take a step of faith. Love is available, people. Grace is available. But we have to step out of doubt into faith. Verse one of chapter eight. It says, afterward, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women. There Luke goes again highlighting the women. Who had been healed of evil spirits and sickness. Mary called Magdalene, seven demons had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, Susan, and many others who are supporting them from their possessions. So Jesus here continues to minister. And he, what he is doing is he is going, Luke says, from town to town, and he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And notice that Luke says he goes from towns and villages. What he's trying to tell you is that small, and large places got the attention of Jesus Christ. He didn't ignore any spot. And what this says to the church, what it says to missionaries, what it says to evangelists, what it says to church planters, is that gospel ministry has to happen everywhere. That we just don't look at one spot and we're like, that's all we're gonna focus on. We take the the word of Jesus Christ everywhere, from Toronto to Timmins. I don't know where Timmins is, it just started with a T. Well, I just know it's small, I googled it, I know it's small. We take it everywhere, from Sri Lanka to Spain, everywhere, we take the message, why? Because as we take the message of Jesus Christ, as we move along with it, we give people an opportunity to enter the kingdom, and experience God's forgiveness. Taking the message everywhere is an act of love. We're saying, I'm coming to you because I've experienced love, I'm in love with my Savior, I want you to know my Savior, the one who can love you perfectly, and who will walk with you the rest of your, that's why I'm here. So we take the message everywhere. Jesus had a great ministry. But I want you to notice, he doesn't minister alone. Ministry is not to be done in isolation, right? Ministry is teamwork. The Bible teaches plurality, not centered on one person, one personality. Not about one person sort of building themselves out and fleecing the sheep, Making that's not how it's supposed to be. We minister together. And some of us have been in places where it's been about one person, and it's just their thing all the time. That's not the heart of this church. Team, it says the 12 were with him and also some women. And you notice in the text, right, they're were, they were freed from things. Jesus freed them from demonic possession and he filled them with the Holy Spirit. And so what you have here is these people who are, they're saved by him and they serve with him. And so people who experience God's forgiveness participate in God's mission. They participate in the mission. See, Luke here highlights these women because he wants us, I'm sweating again, he wants us to know, I brought my rag this week. Last week it was a mask. Somebody actually gave this to me. It's got my name on it. It was a, They were going to Hawaii, and I was like, why aren't you taking me with you to Hawaii? But it was in the middle of winter. But, I lost my spot, let me go back and find it. He highlights these women because he wants us to know that the, the women played a crucial role in the ministry of Jesus. That they had a an important and valuable part. See, what I said before was the women in this text set a solid example for us. Let me show you on the screen. They model humility in their behavior. They model love for the Savior. There's another one coming. They model perseverance in the faith. You got to check this. Do you know that Mary was the one who was with Jesus right up to the end? When everybody deserted, when everybody ran off, she was there all the way through. When I I learned this this week, I I was just giving thanks to God for her faithfulness. This model that she shows, persevering in the faith. Is there another one? They model generosity towards the mission of God. Says Mary, Joanna, Susanna, and many others were what, supporting them from their possessions. See the way this IKEA manual shows us how to set up a bunk bed. These women show us the way to work and help to advance God's mission in the world. They model that for us. And here's, here's how. We help to advance God's mission in the world by practicing humility inside and outside the local church. We do it by walking in humble obedience to God's commands. There's some things that God has said for us to do and we do them. We, we advance the mission by persevering in the faith through the ups and downs of life. We say yes right now, it's tough but I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that God is going to carry me through. We advance the mission by giving our time and energy to the gospel work globally and locally. I think there's one more. And we do it by funding healthy, these, this is important, healthy, God-honoring gospel ministry. You got to hear me here. I, don't, I know most of you go to our church. I don't know who who are who, uh, some of our visitors if you go here. But hear me on this. You don't just fund any ministry. God, part of being a good steward of the money that God has given you is being wise in what you put it into. And so you don't fund any work because some people just want your money. And that is the wrong heart it's an ungodly heart and I believe that people who are functioning like that ministering that way will have a a massive price to pay before God and so you be a wise steward but you are to help fund the work just pray and ask the spirit to lead you and help you to be wise to know how to do that in a way that's wise for your current financial position but you don't fund just any work and as we do this God will use these actions to save people, to advance the work in the world. These women train us and they challenge us. Their behavior is one of training. We should learn from their actions. But they challenge us. The work of God in their life challenge us to ask ourselves some questions. And I want to give them to you. Here are questions we should ask, healthy questions. Do I have a humble attitude towards those inside and outside the faith, or am I, or do I behave most times like the Pharisee? See, when you when we look at the scriptures, we we should ask these questions. God's speaking to us from it. Am I walking in gospel-motivated, loving obedience to the commands of Christ? Do I obey because I, I'm, I'm thinking God will be pleased with me? Or do I, do I obey because I'm like the Lord loves me and so I'm going forward? Or am I just flat out disobey? Is there somewhere where I need to sort of step back and, and begin following the Holy Spirit and walk out of disobedience? That might be necessary. Next one am i asking the holy spirit to help me persevere in this in the faith especially when things are hard this has been like one of the hardest times in the world for everyone and i know a a decent amount of people who have walked away from the faith they're just like between covid racial things I, i just i just don't think that thing's for me anymore But am I asking the the Holy Spirit to help me hold on, to persevere, to believe that better days are ahead, that God means all things for my my good? Am I prioritizing the mission of God and making time in my schedule to serve the Lord and his people? We ask these questions. Cho, is there another one? Am I helping to fund the mission of God in the world? am I participating in the work that's being done in my local church am I participating in the work that's being done by missionaries globally and locally remember we're we're, we're into something bigger than us and so we give to the work so that the text forces us that's how it that's how we apply to examine ourselves to ask ourselves these questions of our lives but here's the thing I don't want you to just ask these questions and then just kind of like get down on yourself. The way to examine yourself in a healthy way is to ask the questions and celebrate where you see God working greatly in your life. If you can respond yes to, to some of it, celebrate, give praise to God for the, for the ministry and his work in your life. But if there's a place where you see I, I need to grow there, then you need to ask the Lord to fill you with the spirit and help you make the changes that are needed. I want you to remember the forgiveness of God transforms the people of God if we've experienced God's forgiveness, what these ladies teach us is that we cannot be living exactly the same way as before. Their lives are changed and their habits reflect that. Stand with me so we can pray. Father, we thank you the word lord it's always good to open it hear from it and then walk in obedience to it god i pray that we would take time whether today sometime this week maybe even right now to examine ourselves to ask ourselves the the hard questions that need to be asked i pray also lord god that you would Help us to rest in the forgiveness and grace and mercy that we have experienced like this woman. I pray, Father, for those who are struggling with their past, that you would help them to go forward in peace. Father, I pray for the person who, when they look at their present, feel that struggle. Would you help them, God? Help them to turn to you if they need to turn for the first time in faith to be saved. Father, if they are saved, would they turn to you and just simply confess their sins and receive the forgiveness that has been won for us by Jesus Christ so they can walk in peace, so they can walk in joy, so they can walk in obedience. Father, I pray for myself that you would help me to slow down and and look again at these women who are such a good example for us, Lord, in their humility, in their willingness to participate in the mission. God, we want to be a church that doesn't just sit under the word and then just does nothing with it. We want to be a church that lives in healthy obedience. After we've heard, we want to be doers. So I pray that you would fill us with your spirit to help us to be doers of the word, not to get you to love us, but because you do love us. Father, thank you for what your mercy has done for us. Help us to give you praise now as we lift our voices in song. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.